Welcome to the Renewed Mind Podcast, presented by Jameson Smallwood, recorded live at Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia. Welcome back to the Renewed Mind Podcast once again. My name is Jameson Smallwood, and this episode that you're about to listen to is the conclusion of the Biola class um, and seminar that William Lane Craig taught on the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I got a chance to catch up with my friend Micah Martin that you guys heard in the previous episode, and we finished up our discussions about apologetics, and I also had a chance to record some testimonials and um, some interviews um, with people who were at the conference, and I think that um, you're going to be surprised at one of those, um, one of those testimonies, because it is from someone who was a, a, an admitted former atheist who gave their life over to Christ, and they were grateful for the work that happened in their life because of their exposure to Christian apologetics and the defense of the faith. So, um, sit back and enjoy, and I hope that this is a blessing to everybody who listens. Take care. So I'm here with who? Catalina Kreider. And uh, we are at the William Lane Craig Seminar on the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. And uh, Catalina is a student at Biola Seminary University. Well, just Biola University. I'm ah. not the seminary program. Okay, Biola, Biola University. So tell me, what is your what is your interest in apologetics? Um, well, it really just started as just a just an interest. Okay. I wasn't necessarily, I mean, my husband and I met on the mission field. We uh-huh. have considered going back as a career move. Um, he grew up with a Bible background and, uh-huh. you know, private schools his whole life. I came from a very secular society. Okay. okay. So okay. I did not have the background. Um, so, you know, part of it was just the interest and then just wanting something a little bit more foundational for me if I decided if we decided to do missions. Uh-huh. Um and also, I'm a middle school teacher, and so I would get a raise for having a master's. And this was basically how things worked out. Is this was my last... Uh, I had to start at that exact semester in order to get a raise for this degree, because after that, they're going to where it has to be education degrees to get a raise for it, oh, wow. which makes sense if you're in the education field. Yeah. Um, but I kind of jumped on the opportunity to, to get all that Um as far as now and looking out, you know, I didn't necessarily start this other than thinking maybe missions one day. It didn't mm-hmm. think of this as being like a career move or anything. But mm-hmm. now that I've been it and I love it, um, you know, I would possibly consider doing some sort of ministry with it. Okay. Um, if nothing else, I mean, my husband and I teach just mm-hmm. uh, Sunday school for adults. And mm-hmm. I would like to use it to disciple more people or do missions and things like that. But um, mm-hmm. it's really just kind of an interest that okay. I jumped on. So. Um, cool, cool. So, you know, so tell us a little bit about Biola. Why would you go to Biola if you, uh, or why would, if you're interested in learning more about God, mm-hmm. uh, pursuing a career in ministry, why, what does Biola offer? Um, well, I think one thing that Biola offers is just the renown of the professors and leaders. Mm-hmm. I mean, William Lane Craig, Greg mm-hmm. Kokel, mm-hmm. Clay Jones, J.P. Moreland. I mean, those are just among the elite to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be a really big draw. I also think that, at least to my knowledge now, I will say that I have not done a, a super extensive amount of research in trying to find out what you can get at other colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that 
this one has a very good distance program. You know, I still work full time and uh, I'm able to complete it. And so I really enjoy that, that it may make it so accessible for people um, who are going into it as maybe a second career or a second degree, mm -hmm. um, even if you're still doing full time. So that was a big draw to me. And then also, I think that. Um, it has just a very orthodox doctrinal statement. Okay. So I think that um, whereas a lot of colleges may lean you more towards um, being a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Catholic or a, a, you know, a Methodist or something, I feel like this degree is really open to a lot of different denominations mm -hmm. as long as you fall under the orthodox doctrinal statement, mm -hmm. which I did. Mm -hmm. And um, I really enjoyed that. I think that I'm probably among some of the very few people in the program who would identify more with Reformed Presbyterian. Mm -hmm. um, but I've really enjoyed doing that because I feel like it's stretched me and challenged my faith by seeing people of other denominations mm -hmm. come together who have questions of differing viewpoints. So okay. those are some things that I would think would be really good about Biola's program in, in particular. Awesome. Catalina, thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. So I'm here with Brian, um, and uh, we met at the William Lane Craig Seminar on the Resurrection of uh, Jesus Christ and um, the historicity of Jesus. And Brian uh, volunteered to be, uh, you know, a, a guinea pig on the podcast and talk a little bit about his story, his background, and uh, his journey to get to this point in his faith. So, Brian, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. Uh, happy to share with you, and uh, you know, always hopeful that somebody out there who uh, doesn't know the truth can uh, can find it. And if there's anything that I can do to to, to serve God to that end, that, that's what I'm here for. Cool, cool, Brian. Tell tell everybody a little bit about your about your journey and sort of what um, has drawn you to this point. Okay. Well. Um, well, first I'll say I was as about as uh, hardline a skeptic as you could come across who wasn't, you know, who's not formally trained. I, uh, I was kind of uh, intellectually ascended to the idea that, that Jesus lived and died for my sins, and, but I never really thought much about it. And, and I, um, I joined the Army and spent a year in Baghdad, and I, I met Muslims for the first time uh, and was in a community of Muslims. And the first time I ever had somebody look at me and tell me I was crazy for believing uh, that you know, Jesus was the Son of God and rose from the dead. And you know, I thought about it. I said, that's pretty arrogant of me to go around saying this to these folks when I really don't have any background information on it. So I decided I'd start reading. And I picked up Richard Dawkins and mm. Sam Harris and Chris Hitchens and Dan Barker and atheist. Yeah, and then uh, Bart Ehrman was one of my favorites because he he felt at least scholarly and objective about it. Um, and you know, I, there were all these things that I had no clue about uh, before that I felt very lied to by the church. I, mm -hmm. um, you know, did you know Jesus wasn't born on December the twenty fifth? Well, I didn't. Well, uh, uh, well, okay. You know, and there's lots of things like that. The Christmas story is wrong biblically mm -hmm. in the way that they share it, and I felt like people these these preachers were either lying to me or they didn't even know what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. And then so I started looking, you know, and I spent many, many, many hours and got very invested in all of this. Mm -hmm. Came to the conclusion that Christianity was false, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know, long story short, is uh, and I went on and accomplished and accomplished and accomplished and accomplished and had pretty much everything that I ever wanted to get. Mm -hmm. I found myself absolutely miserable, did not understand why. Uh, read the book of Ecclesiastes. So the, you came to the conclusion that it's all vanity. 
Uh, yeah, all all streams flow into the sea, and the sea is never full. Mm-hmm. The only thing that has any meaning or purpose is the truth of Jesus Christ, and I am here as a servant on my knees to do whatever I can, and now I have my purpose and my meaning, mm-hmm. and I all other roads lead not only to e- eternal separation from God, but just miserable life on this earth. So, Brian, let me ask you this um, as we wrap up. What was the... What was, was there one moment or one thing resource you got exposed to that sort of helped you come out of that, out of that uh, skeptical mindset you had and began to draw back into, into your relationship with God? What was, was there any one thing or just a, you know, can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, You know, and I'll interpret your question as sort of a, uh, as as an, uh, a request for advice to anybody trying to help those like me and I, and I, I, what a, what a great goal, and, and I'm so grateful for people who are out there doing that and I'm privileged to be one of those people now. But I'll say there was no one, just one thing, but the primary thing that spoke to me was the love of Christ followers. Because when I mm. went out and I said, okay, okay, God, I believe that you're there. Now, who are you? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I typed up my question, stream of consciousness, and you can ask anybody who looked at them, probably four pages, single space, mm-hmm. size 10 font, just question <laughs> after question after question after question. Uh, yes, every, everything from as high as how, how could a loving God send me to hell to as low as, well, how, did, did, did Solomon have 4,000 chariots and stalls or did he have 4,000? But these Christians that I saw now, they came after me, and they spent hour after hour and week after week. And I'm talking folks all the way down to my assistant at the office to a mega church pastor oh, wow. who is a New York Times bestseller, mm-hmm. spending time talking to me. And it blew my mind mm-hmm. that Christ loved through them. And eventually I thought, well, this has got to be something. Something's got to be to this. So mm-hmm. you know, turned my life over, changed everything. Well, Brian, I tell you what, man. Um, it's good to call you a brother in the Christ and brother in the faith, I should say. And uh, I appreciate you sharing your testimony, man. Is there anything else you want to tell people before um, before we wrap up? Uh, I, I do want to encourage anybody that if you spend your entire life uh, defending your faith and speaking to people about it and you change one life, then you have you have accomplished a great thing. God has accomplished a great thing. You you. So do not be discouraged and do not give up because there are many people who have told you and have since told me that I could not be reached and that that's not true and that it did matter. You planted seeds and I thank you and I love you. All right. As the word says, uh, the angels in heaven rejoice even when one soul is saved. So I think that's a good way to end there, man. Amen. Rock on. I think the hardest thing, too, with apologetics and philosophy in general, when you start teaching in the church, is getting people's level of education up, you know. Because one thing I took for granted was that I have a college degree. And in that, I've been exposed to a lot of different things, you know, like, oh, you know, just higher levels of vocabulary and and, and you know, logic and that kind of stuff. And it's not a it's not you know it's not a simple it's not a simple task to get everybody's uh, um, comfort comfort level and tooling because I think that's part of your tool set when you teach uh, or when you understand something up to the up to the same page you know up to the same level. You know, you start talking about fallacies and, and fallacious, you know, like we were joking out there in the parking lot. You got to get people to understand what that stuff means, you know. You know, it just ain't, it just, you know, it just ain't true, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of times what I do is I try and, and use a big word, but then I come right behind and do the definition. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people that's going to be condescending, mm-hmm. but for some people they're going to go, oh, that's what that means, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think one thing I was just thinking about, 
when um, we were sitting here, and yesterday we talked about a little bit about whether faith and reason are at odds. Mm -hmm. We kind of hit on that a little bit. And the question I think we have to ask ourselves is studying a fleshly endeavor. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, you know, you may think studying in college, but if we transition that to even studying the word, mm-hmm. you know, and to engage ourselves into what the scriptures say, mm-hmm. is that a fleshly endeavor? Okay. You know, what, what would you, how would you respond? Well, I think the motivation, that? I think the act is actually something we do in our flesh, but not in the, you know, maybe not in a sinful way that we typically think of the flesh as, you know, the appetites of the flesh. It's something we're, we do in our limited humanity. But the motivation behind it, I think, is is the key, the key piece. Is that I think it's a godly endeavor to study His Word and want to see who He is, you know, and to sincerely approach the doctrine as if it's truth, mm-hmm. you know, because we believe. Mm-hmm. So we approach it from that position of its truth, and then we substantiate the truth based on what we see in the world and and you know just what we know from personal experience, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Like I prayed to God, and you know, He answered my prayer. My mm-hmm. situation changed, you know. Mm-hmm. So those are the type of things that we do. You know, even though it is a fleshly activity, meaning that we're doing this, you know, in our body and our with our minds, but I don't think it's I don't think it's I think it's a spiritual very much a spiritual thing. I think that's where I contrast the idea of the body and the flesh. Mm-hmm. And I think it's clear to you know, to me I think it's clear that our flesh does not equal our body. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when the scripture was talking about the flesh, he was definitely talking about the desires of the flesh and the mm-hmm. sinful intent. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the scripture teaches that our body, exactly. our physical body is, is sinful. And, and actually, I think, from what I learned from um, Dr. Craig, is that um, that is actually a part of Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. You know, and that they believe that the physical body itself is evil. Mm-hmm. And that we have to get out of our physical body in order to, you know, have some sort of redemption or whatever, mm-hmm. to my understanding. Yeah. But um, they look at the body as sinful, but I don't think that the scripture teaches the body is sinful, Mm-mm. but it's talking about the desires of our will, mm-hmm. you know, and our human will, and um, it's fallen, you know, in that. And so, um, and I, I so, um, so I just think to, to physically do something or a mental exercise within itself. Mm-hmm by itself is not necessarily wrong or evil or sinful, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the intent mm-hmm. that's behind it. And I, and I think the intent is a lot of times linked to uh, maybe the idea of iniquity or something, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. But, um, but I, you know, I'd like to say if we study in Scripture that we're doing something that that um, I think is of the Spirit, mm-hmm. you know. I agree. Um, to engage ourselves um into thinking about the things of God, you know, and I think that's what meditation is. Mm-hmm. You know, meditation, you know, I remember uh, Greg Kokel talking about our misconception about mm-hmm. meditation. Mm-hmm. We think, you know, from the Eastern standpoint, meditation is clearing of your mind. Mm-hmm. But from the Christian perspective, meditation is the thinking and the dwelling on and the cycling in your mind of the things of God, you mm-hmm. know, and of, of Scripture in, in particular. And that's what the scriptures mean by meditating on the word. And mm-hmm. so um, I think that's a mental exercise, you know. And so, so I think those things aren't sinful. Um, I completely agree. So in saying that, then the study of apologetics and, and engaging ourselves with our you know, intellect <coughs> into our faith mm-hmm. um, within itself, um, you know, is not sinful. And, and there's many benefits to it. Mm-hmm.
I think it's tough, you know, to get people to understand that there is a natural side of the supernatural relationship we have with God. Hmm. You know, because a lot of churches will teach, you know, sensationalism. That's something we've been talking about a little bit on and offline. And sensationalism makes you focus on that sort of non-tangible experience mm. that you can't put your hands on mm-hmm. and and the mysticism of God and one of the things that I think is, is, is key when you start looking at mysticism mysticism intentionally creates the lack of knowledge mm. because that's part of it's, it's allure mm. it's that you know there's something else otherworldly going on that you're not privy to mm. and that you have to get into that realm of, of thought and experience to experience what you're what you're looking for mm. and that's not necessarily the God that we see portrayed in the Bible mm. and I think fundamentally he's always revealed himself mm. through whether it's through very direct means mm. <coughs> excuse me such as a vision um, you know or, 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 or you know or, or, or an appearance or you know or a voice he he wants us to know who he is, mm. and um, you know one thing Paul this one thing Paul said was that you know he through, we can see God through the creation, mm. you know we can we can see his handiwork, mm. you know God isn't isn't you know God isn't hiding himself intentionally to create mysticism between in our relationship with him, you know he wants us to know who he is. That's why he's giving us his word. That's why he's he's showing us. Um, you know, his, the physical evidences that we have left behind, such as creation, such as um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wants us to see him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but people, a lot of people take the other approach that they want that sort of mystic experience where, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know we, as we say in the church, you know, it was nobody but the Lord, you know, because, you know, they get to that place where it was just so nebulous. And that's not what that's not what he wants. He wants us to see him and know who he is. Right. You know, and Paul said the best, you know, we, we sort of, we set our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what mm. is seen is temporary. Mm. What is unseen is eternal. He wants us to have that vision into the supernatural and see mm. him clearly. Right. But we, we know that we can't do that yet because it's like one, as Paul also says, it's like we look into a mirror. Mm. We don't see clearly yet a dim mirror. We don't see it fully yet, the, the full vision of who God is. But mm. he gives us enough, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I say yeah. I agree. He, he gives us enough to see, mm-hmm. um, to lead us, to lead us to believe mm-hmm. that you know he exists. And uh, excuse me, and I forget the word that we were discussing yesterday. We were um, talking about coercion and about Com- compulsion. Compulsion. So I think compulsion, that yeah. those things that you just uh, mentioned about um, you know nature and about. Uh, the fact that he's he's made creation so that we can understand that he's there, he's died on the cross so that we can understand that he's mm-hmm. God. All those things, I think, um, were things to compose, you know, give us to to believe, you mm-hmm. know. And so, like I was sharing about um, Lazarus, you know, Jesus clearly stated that the whole scenario mm-hmm. he put up so that we would believe, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying. So I, I think he wants to display things and do things and. So that we believe, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. I, I guess we have to think about it, mm-hmm. you know, in, in some respect. Even a miracle, mm-hmm. you know. And so, if if God was to heal me of cancer, or if God was to, you know, feed the five thousand, 
you know, whatever. We have to, in some ways, think, you know, well, how did this happen? <coughs> and we come to the conclusion, oh, yeah, Jesus did this. I mean, I just saw him. You know, and so uh, mm -hmm. at some level, there's there's still the thinking about it. You're, you know, I, and I, so I, I think apologetics is doing that on a more deeper level mm -hmm. um, because our faith is being challenged on a more deeper level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so and I, I, we've got to go below the surface in our minds to um, to, 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 to fight the faith, mm -hmm. if you will. And so in our own hearts as well mm -hmm. as those that in the public circle. I think, um, you know, what you said about Lazarus is always one of my favorite um, scriptures to point to. Because with Lazarus, um, the the key part to, that you said was that he wanted us to believe and know, you know, so he did that so we know we might believe. You know, too often we get caught up in 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 um, what we can get from God, and we lose sight of it. It's all about us, our belief, because that's the one thing that secures our salvation is our belief. You know, and uh, I, I I think. I had to teach that lesson one time in regards to miracles. We were talking about revelations, and I said, a, mm -hmm. I said, a miracle is a revelation of God. Mm -hmm. It is God revealing himself. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we know that there is something supernatural happening here that isn't re relevant, that isn't, that isn't um, I shouldn't say relevant, but isn't uh, explainable mm -hmm. um, by, based on natural causes. You know, so Lazarus getting about the grave after four days, you know, Jesus actually waited, you know, so that even the Jewish notion, the Jewish supernatural notion of the body, the spirit hanging around the body could be debunked. You know, he just wanted to show that it was nothing but him. Mm. And uh, if we know, if we miss that in our lives where when we pray and ask for God to intervene and God intervenes on our behalf and things work out in, in fortuitous ways because we've been praying and we've been and we see God moving in our lives. If we miss that as a revelation of God and just take that as sort of, you know. Just something, just something I kind of do, you know. That I think we then we, we lose a valuable opportunity to strengthen our faith and trust Him, you know. Well, <clears throat> I'd like to give another plug to Will right. Lane Craig. Mm -hmm. um, his Defenders class is just amazing. That class is awesome. It's just so amazing, and I hate the fact that I won't get to go tomorrow. Uh, I want to, but mm -hmm. you know, I have other commitments. Mm -hmm. But um, he has a doctrine of revelation. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you had the opportunity to go through it, but I'd uh, encourage you to. Mm -hmm. It um, He talks about, of course, you hear the doctrine of revelation. Mm -hmm. The first thing in our mind jumps to the book of revelation. Exactly. And we think that, you know, he's trying to describe the book of revelation or, um, you know, some, you know, usually in the church we say revelation. I read the scriptures and I got a revelation. Exactly. You know, that kind of revelation. But that's God not what we're talking about. God has showed me something. You know, he's yeah. talking about from a real basic standpoint, mm -hmm. how does God reveal himself? Exactly. On a real, real basic level. And, you know, he goes through several different um, <clears throat> ways that that happens. So those that are listening, I, I just encourage you to look at um, mm -hmm. William Lane Craig's um, Defenders class in the Doctrine of Revelation. Just to get an idea, um, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's pretty uh, comprehensive, but, you know, I'm sure he'd say it's not everything, but um, it was good to me, so mm -hmm. uh, I just suggest that that's uh, a good thing to listen to. Yeah, we're eating Zaxby's <laughs> for the people listening, if that makes it into the podcast. Mm. <laughs> and it's good. Man, that's another chicken tender. Oh. Very good. And my daughter, 
uh, love some Zaxby's uh -huh. whenever it's time to get something to eat. Mommy, I want Zaxby's. <laughs> We can't go to Zaspi every day, girl. Zaspi's ain't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> they like they giving away Zaspi's. Mm -mm. <laughs> Real man. <clears throat> and do it, if, it was, if we were Hebrews in the wilderness with God, we'd be asking for um, Zaspi's and, <laughs> and manna. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Kicking chicken out the sky. It's like a kicking chicken and chicken turns falling from the sky. God dropped some 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 coastline. God, what's the fuck? You're getting mad at God. God, you done gave me all this stuff, but where the fuck at? Ain't got no napkin. The tea got too much ice in it, God. Take some ice. I said light ice, God. I said light ice. You didn't hear my prayer? You know. I guess in all seriousness, though, the work we, the work we do at equipping ourselves to be knowledgeable about our faith, mm -hmm. it's important. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the ignorant Christian, and I, I'll say that term, you know, convictingly, has no, you know, they, they, they you gotta, you gotta get past that. You know, I just encourage everybody who listens, whether it's through the Sunday school class I teach, or whether it's through just conversations I have with people. Know why you believe what you believe. And when I say know why, you know, Micah and I are talking about apologetics from a naturalistic standpoint, looking at evidences that we see in the world and, and understanding, you know, historical documents and stuff. But on a much slower level, go to the Bible and find verses that support what you believe, you know. And then, then you begin... With that that simple approach, there you can begin to formulate a worldview that's Christian based. You know, a lot of people just don't know why biblically they believe what they believe. It's based on you know denominational tradition. It can be based on just you know um, some 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 other worldview that has that has infiltrated the church. But you know, people don't know, and and you know we don't have the we don't have the luxury of being ignorant as Christians. We've got to know what it is we believe because. If we don't um, challenge ourselves behind closed doors, that's when we get out in public and then get challenged, and then that's when it's a really bad situation for everybody involved, and that doesn't glorify God. Mm. So that's just my only little bit of preaching on the on, for today. You know, just know why you just know why you believe what you believe. You can believe the craziest thing in the world, and but at least have some scriptures where you're at least taking that <laughs> taking those those scriptures and and, and trying to support it. Yeah. You know. There, there's several ways to know what you believe. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that we're doing right now is we're uh, fortifying our, our minds mm -hmm. and to understand uh, apologetics and looking at evidence and things like that. And one of the things I always remind everyone of is one of William Wayne Craig's um, his defense of why he knows Christianity is true is his personal um, experience and that's not to be left out and that was mentioned in the class as well in, in another way mm -hmm. but personal experience is very important and so we're, you know we're not saying that you can't know God or know that you know God mm -hmm. just based on personal experience because you can't mm -hmm. we're not trying to say that but you can know on more than one different way and all you're doing is adding to your faith mm -hmm. by you know doing these other things and so and um, just another thing to keep in mind is, is 
Um, it's one thing to know. I mean, you may know mm -hmm. that God, you know what I'm saying, is real and that Jesus rose from the dead. But the thing that I challenge you to do is to determine how you can show that God is real to mm -hmm. someone that you're speaking to. And so in your own studies, you know, think about it as not just for yourself, but as if you were talking to somebody. What does even make sense, you know? And um, mm -hmm. how can you... How can you, you know, I don't want to use the word prove because there's a lot of misconceptions about that word. But give evidence. But, you yeah. know, give reasons, you know, um, yeah. for why there is. You know, there's scripture, there's, you know, um, science, and there's a lot of philosophy. There's just your personal experience. <coughs> there's, you know, they talk about things that are pro properly basic mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. just things that you just know by common sense, too. I mean, come on. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, ain't nothing, you know, stuff ain't come out of nothing. Yeah. And so, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, you got this whole big old argument. <laughs> You know, the climb cosmological <laughs> argument to, to show, you know, causality and stuff doesn't come out of nothing, you know, uncaused, you know, yeah. things that begin to exist. But, <coughs> you know, that's the long explanation. But you know exactly. that stuff don't come out uh, of nothing. nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, so that, that's, that's just fine. You, you know, know? And so, uh, the chicken we eating right now or just got through eating did not come from just didn't. random poof. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and so I mean that, that, that's fine, you yeah. know, and uh, so you know just 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 continue to avail yourself in that, and um, I think God will. Um, I think there's due diligence, mm -hmm. you know. I, I think God will bless you mm -hmm. for trying to study and understand things. I I believe He will bless you, and I believe as we were talking before mm -hmm. about um, the challenges from going through college into now. Mm -hmm. One of the statements that I made um, in this previous conversation was that. Um, come, to come out of a challenge that I had previously in my life, I had to believe that God is leading me. Mm -hmm. And that's fundamental in faith, yes. to believe that God is, is leading you, you know. Yeah. And so that even goes in your studies. You know, you got to believe that God is leading you mm -hmm. as you're studying this stuff mm -hmm. and that he will help you to um, not get caught up in, 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 in wrong stuff and mm -hmm. confusing stuff and that he's going to show you the truth that's a part of your faith. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not just some, you know, just in your head. Mm -hmm. And so you got to count it as that, you know. So um, I just want to throw that out there. And, and I think, you know, that's important. You said get caught up in the wrong stuff. You know, part of what we're doing isn't creating some new doctrine on the side of Christianity called apologetics. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, apologetics take a back seat to what Scripture teaches us, you know. Yes. You know, if you come to some theological conclusion based on your natural theology, you know, your exploration of uh, the world and the sciences and, you know, like you said, personal experiences, well, they still can't contradict. <laughs> they can't contradict the scriptures. Right. You know, I can't go and say, well, God showed me that he is a watermelon with four <laughs> arms and that's my personal experience. <laughs> so that's true. You know, because we always say it in church, you know, God is not an author of confusion. He's not right. going to have you confused. Um about who he is. It's something that's is properly basic as his identity. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he, we may disagree with some little subtle things as we mm -hmm. go through, but you know, you're not, you're not going. You can't use personal experience to justify some whacked out belief about the spaghetti God. Spaghetti monster. The spaghetti monster. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> God showed me in the in the last days he's going to pour out cotton candy on the whole world. <laughs> you know, and that's just not a that's just not true. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's right. I, I, I'm glad you said that. You know, apologetics is the is to help us in our understanding, but it is not to um, take the for the for the front seat, you know, over um, 
just just reading the scriptures, and I think Will and Craig would affirm, before you do apologetics, know the scriptures. You know, study your Bible. What does the Bible even say? You may not understand everything about what it's trying to say, but know the scriptures. That will help you not be led astray by strange people's ideas, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to just know what the scripture says. Well, I mean, a scripture back that point up, Micah, is like you were saying, the Bereans, when Paul shared his faith, he did his apologetic work and was sharing the gospel. They studied the scriptures to see if what he said was true. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that would be, that is a worthy challenge you're giving everybody is to, hey, you know, is this what I believe? Mm-hmm. You know, is, it, it, I mean, is the scripture telling me the truth? Is the scripture showing me that this is true mm-hmm. and not the other way around? Is this showing me that the scripture is true? It is. It's a script. Is this scripture showing me that this is true? You know, we says we we study apologetics so that we can give the non-believer right. confidence and sort of a gateway faith right. into accepting scripture. Right. But but for you the for you the saved Christian, mm-hmm. you accept the scriptures as true, mm-hmm. and you work out of that out of that model and say, hey, you know, well, let me show how this is 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 proven out by what I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what the church fathers did. You mm-hmm. know. I think they were clear on what the scripture said, mm-hmm. but all the different councils and this and that yeah. was in all the discussions was mm-hmm. there to help them try to hash out how to understand it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, I don't know if it's council on Nicaea or Chalcedonia, I forget which one it was, but it's that when talking about um, Christ and the Trinity, mm-hmm. it was clear in saying that, you know, however you figure this out, however mm-hmm. you articulate this, mm-hmm. you cannot confuse the persons of the Trinity, mm-hmm. you know, um, there are three persons, mm-hmm. you know, don't confuse them, and you can't separate them at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, because they are one, you know, in essence, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, they tried to hash it out how to understand that, but at the end, they said, look, I don't know how you're going to figure this out, but just don't mess these two things up. Exactly. Because <laughs> this exactly. is what scripture tells us. We don't know all the other stuff, but this is what it tells us. Exactly. There's some grace in, the, in your doctrine. Right. You know, you, hey, you know, you got some wiggle room there, but don't confuse this basic, these basic, right. uh, these basic things. You can, you can resolve it how you want to, right. but that's what you got to get to. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> three, right. three persons in one, right. you know, you know, and uh, I just, uh, you know, I just didn't, that's my biggest passion more than anything. You know, that's why I teach is to get people to a point where you know why you believe what you believe mm. and you know what God wants you to believe based on what his word says. Mm. And any place in there, we, there's some friendly debate and there's some friendly you know, disagreement, whether it's Arminianism versus Calvinism, where it, whether it's, um, you know, uh, once saved, always saved, those kind of implications. Those things are fun to talk about, but, you know, don't lose sight of what you're trying to do. You're not trying to win an argument with somebody who's in the faith. You're mm-hmm. trying to understand better what it is you believe, mm-hmm. and you share that with whoever you come in contact with, mm-hmm. and uh, be gracious with it. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think that's the place where we can kind of wrap up right here is just have fun, man. You know, <laughs> this is I mean this is the wonderful fellowship I've seen my friend Mike in, in almost ten years, mm-hmm. and you know the thing that brought us into a common path once again for a while is the fact that we both love God and, and love Jesus Christ. Right. And that is the thing that you can't lose sight of is to have fun as you learn about God. Right. You know, you've gotten past the hard part about it being about life or death. Mm-hmm. Now it's just about that eternal life and getting to know him and, mm-hmm. and being what he's called you to be and have fun with it. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's our, he, you know, he loved us first. That's what the, the scripture says. And, 
it's just like dating, man. Every day is a, it's like the first date all over again when you met the, <laughs> met, the, met the person of your dream. So, you know, it's just cool. This is really cool. Well, I guess that's what we can pause at, man. Yeah, man. Thank you for listening to another installment of the Renewed Mind Podcast. Be sure to listen again as we endeavor to renew our minds.